0: Alrighty guys, welcome to part two of my interview with Claire Fagan. The first part was the last episode where me and Claire just dove deep into everything you need to know about sourdough. It was just a Sourdough 101 episode, and this one is a Q&A where we answer all of the questions you guys had about sourdough baking, so we're going to get into that. and Make sure to follow my Instagram and Claire's Instagram so you guys can reach out to us whenever you have any sourdough questions because yes sourdough can be kind of intimidating in the beginning but after like one or two rounds you really start getting the hang of it and you're just like all right i'm i'm getting it i got this and there's always gonna be a question that comes up here and there i still like message claire if i have a question or my mom will message me if she has a question i'm actually baking sourdough right now and i'm doing something a little different than i normally do so i'm gonna see how that turns out but yes, make sure to go give us both a follow. Um, my Instagram is at, this is Miranda Lee and Claire's is at Claire Fagan. And those links will be in the show notes as well. I'm Miranda Lee, and you're listening to the bread therapy mama podcast, a show created for moms who want to feed their families foods that heal them, not hurt them. Food was meant to be our medicine, and the best way to do that is by focusing on the ingredients, not the calories. Here, you'll find everything you need to know about holistic nutrition sprinkled with some motherhood, faith, and non-toxic living along the way. I can't wait to grow with you. Let's dive in. All right, we'll go over a couple um, Q&As
1: we had from our Instagram. Um, Okay. So let's see. Let's see the first one they asked. What is sourdough and how does it differ from a quick, a quick, a quickie <laughs> from a quick yeast? I don't get it. So I feel like we kind of covered that, like yeah. what sourdough is and the difference between the yeast. is like the starter. I think the biggest thing is like the fermentation and not using quick yeast.
2: Yeah. So it's just like a natural leaven versus like a weird modernized bread basically and the sourdough takes longer it is not a quick yeast but it adds a lot more flavor and nutritional value etc
1: yeah and then like i said earlier because of the fermentation process if you have a hard time digesting gluten it makes it a lot easier because it breaks down like most of the gluten and it's good for your gut health as well true true and then uh there was something I was going to say about that I don't remember oh yeah there was something you talked about i don't even, i don't know if it was in your youtube or somewhere else but like with um the starter and how it just has like when you've been adding stuff to it and stuff and having it in your house for for months and months and years that like it has like your your personal little bacteria in there like it's your own 100% this is
2: my favorite thing about sourdough is that, yeah, like th- there are some bacterias and yeasts that come from those wheat kernels, but as soon as you, whether you buy a starter or you make a starter, as soon as you come home and you start baking with it, it starts to take on the bacterias from your hands, from the air in your home, from your countertop, from your bowl. Like it, it takes on the bacteria that's present in the environment that it's in and it makes it yours. Like it's responding to you. It's responding to your hands. And I think that that's such a cool thing. It's almost like a pet. Like I said, it's like a plant, but really it's more like a pet. Cause it's like respond. You know what I mean? Like it's like yours. And, um, I love that. And actually, something that I, I learned just recently is that, so like we were saying, sourdough cultures take on the bacteria of their environment and, that can even be the environment of your city. Like it, it's like not even just your immediate environment, but it could be like your city or like, I don't know. I think that even country to country, there must probably some bacterial differences. And I think that that's so cool. And um, I'm sure you've heard of like San Francisco sourdough being like, you know, San Francisco is like the sourdough, like Mecca. And what I recently learned is that Back in the day, I don't know when, whenever the gold rush happened and somebody found gold in the hills of San Francisco and there was like this like flock of people who started living there and in the surrounding areas, they brought with them all of their belongings um, and the people who brought sourdough starter, like they learned that like their starter was like thriving so, so much in that environment. Like it's a little bit like foggy and like moist. Um... And so that's why San Francisco sourdough is so popular because it thrives so much in that city. And that city is so populated now with those wild yeasts and bacterias. Um, so sourdough starter in San Francisco is really happy. And the, the craziest thing that I just learned is that the lactic the, the type of bacteria that's in a sourdough starter is called a lactic acid bacteria. And the actual name of the bacteria is like lacto okay, I'm not a scientist. I'm so sorry that I'm about to butcher this. But it's like Lactobactylus San Franciscansis. Like it's literally called that that's like what the bacteria is called because San Francisco is so like conducive to a happy and active culture.
1: Wow, that's cool. I didn't know that. I mean, I knew that San Francisco was, you know, had all the best sourdough. I didn't know why. I mean, that makes sense. yeah. Yeah, how crazy. Yeah, And I've also heard, you know, when people like buy their starter, like from S- San Francisco or from a thousand year old starter that I read that once it's like in your house and you've like been feeding it for rounds and rounds and months that like, it's a completely different starter, you know, like it's oh, really, yeah, because <laughs> of the breakdown and the ba- bacteria that like, it's your own, you know, right. so yeah, it's like very very different yeah, than one that. you originally yes, got. Yeah.
2: yeah. And something that, that I also brush on a little bit in some of my YouTube videos is like, because sourdough is taking on the bacterias in your environment, you want to make sure that you're cleaning that environment with, um, like less, like less harsh chemicals, because you don't want to wipe your, your environment of all the bacteria granted you don't want like a gross bacteria growing and then your sourdough taking on some like nasty bacteria and like becoming infected and having to throw it away which doesn't really happen often but it could right but at the same time like if you're gonna put your dough out on your counter you don't want to have just like heavily Clorox bleached your counter and there be nothing left for it to grab or even like something that might kill the some of the bacteria in the dough. I don't know. So that's another thing that I feel like people don't talk about very much is what, how are you creating like an environment that is conducive to having a happy starter aside from just feeding it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. that That's so true because we live in a society where people think like bacteria itself is just bad and you got to get rid of it and, you know, yeah. use bleach and Clorox and Lysol and it's like, no that's yeah. not that's not no, how you're it's stripping meant to be. It.
2: yeah you're just like fully stripping I mean it's the same with that they're doing with the flour they're doing it so that they're making sure they're stripping that flour that's in our wonder bread to make sure that there's nothing crazy and weird in it but at the same time you're getting rid of the good stuff too
1: yeah it, here that that leads to the next question is when I'm at the grocery store I get overwhelmed by all the flour options what kind of flour do you like to feed your starter and why
2: so, there are a lot of options. And I know a lot of people who like to use like einkorn flowers and things say, like that, yeah. that's like an ancient grain flour. And it's like way less processed than even just like an organic all purpose flour. Um, and um, that's a really good option. That's not even what I use though. You're asking me what I use, which is just an organic unbleached all purpose flour. I have found that my starter responds best to that. Um, it's most reactive to that kind of flour. But the reasons that I do organic and unbleached specifically is because those organic unbleached flowers have more of those um, wild yeast and bacteria still on them because they haven't been, they have it hasn't been like bleached off. So it just makes for a happier bubblier starter, but einkorn is like even less processed. So um, mine doesn't respond as well to einkorn, but I wish it did because I like the thought of using that really like ancient grain, like really unprocessed flour.
1: Yeah. I was listening to, podcasts about about like einkorn and um yeah just like what type of flowers to to feed your bread and stuff and I think the biggest t- takeaway I got was like einkorn's expensive first of all I yeah, I ordered some and I was like eight dollars a bag that's kind of expensive but you know do it's it. like this <laughs>
2: tiny it's a tiny bag so I know small. are you listening to Shay Elliott by any chance no her chic podcast there's this lady shay Elliott who um i watch on youtube and um i'm like i love her (laughs) and um she uses einkorn like she she's like the biggest einkorn fan of all time but anyway it wasn't her so never mind
1: (laughs) well i mean i guess everyone's using einkorn but it's expensive
2: it is
0: expensive but what i
1: what i learned was like when it comes to feeding your starter like just feed it with the organic unbleached Regular flour. And then when it comes to actually like baking your bread, then you can like do different starters.
0: Yeah,
2: totally. Yeah. And also, pro tip Costco has like really, really good prices on organic unbleached flour in bulk. So I was making the mistake of like getting a new bag like every time I was at the grocery store. Now I have like massive bags in my um, pantry. But um,
1: I saw that's that. What that's, what that's what got me to do it too. <laughs>
2: Oh yeah, no, it's a good deal. JD, my boyfriend like was at Costco and he was like, look at this. And I was like, get them, please. Um, But the other thing about that I was going to say real quick about iron corn is that I do use iron corn in my granola bread because I think it adds like a density that the other flour doesn't. The other flour is like really springy. So um, that is one way that I do use iron corn is just for like density or like more chewiness.
1: That's something else you can experiment with with sourdough. Like, you don't need a certain type of flour to make it sourdough. You, as long as you have the starter, your fed starter, you can experiment with, like, different types of flours or mixtures. That's why there's, like, sourdough whole grain and sourdough rye. Like, there's a bunch of different sourdoughs because it has to do with the starter and the fermentation process and using that as yeast. So, you know, I recommend you know using the the unbleached organic to feed your starter just because it's cheaper and like you said yours thrives off of it mine does too yeah. and then when it comes to actually baking the bread you know experiment with different types of flowers yeah. but always organic Definitely. i recommend always organic and always unbleached
2: I, I second that for sure but yeah like even like conduct little experiments like your starter culture might respond to not yours, but ones might respond better to something else. You just don't know, you know? So it's kind of fun to experiment and see like which one takes longer or whatever.
1: Yeah. Cause environments are so different too. Like I was telling you one time we were trying to make sourdough in San Diego where my parents live and it was just coming out like so wet and then like here yeah. in Virginia, I like, I was having no issues. Like, and I was doing the exact same thing, the exact same recipe. So it's going to be different yeah. different climates too.
2: Yeah, totally.
1: All right. The next one tips for making a starter. I want to get into sourdough baking.
2: Yes. So if you want to make your own starter The process is pretty simple. It's literally mixing equal parts, water and flour, waiting like 24 hours, discarding half of it, feeding it again. But something that I will say and that I stand by is, is if you want to bake really good bread, like, soon... I would suggest going and buying a culture or borrowing one from not borrowing, I mean, or, you know, taking some from a friend or finding somebody in your local community who's willing to give you some or sell you some um, because the more established cultures are going to give you the type of sourdough that you want. Um, A newer culture just simply isn't going to be as strong. It simply isn't going to be as robust and it's going to take longer for it to really kind of like settle into itself and become strong and robust. So if you want to make your own, do it by all means. I mean, it costs like literally hardly any money at all. um, And that's definitely a plus to making your own. But do know that it's going to take time for it to really probably give you the type of uh, bread products that you want to be baking.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's, it's so easy to get sourdough starter from someone else. I wrote, that's what I did. I went on Facebook on like the buy nothing group. And I was like, does anyone have sourdough starter? Uh And considering how much like you discard when you're making, when you're making sourdough, like it's easy to get sourdough starter from someone or, or you can order online, you know, you can get it from you. You sell the sourdough starter. You can get it on Etsy. Yeah. Um, so yeah. there's there's different there's it's not hard to get an audience. It's not hard to
2: get. And you know what's crazy too about sourdough starters is some people like have cultures that are like passed down to their children and their children's children. So it's kind of just proof that like the older and like richer the the culture the better. My culture was actually um, saved from Hurricane Katrina. So this this woman who I don't know if she started it or if she was just like a um you know one of the recipients of its deliciousness along the way she was like in knee-high water walking out of her house during hurricane hurricane katrina and like turned around and was like wait a sec i have to get my starter <laughs> and um, so i don't know it's cool i do think it like tells a story if it's you know older and and whatnot but It is easy to make if you want to make your own. Also, people who bake sourdough totally want to give it away. Like, they're like, oh, let me also tell you absolutely everything about my sourdough, like, journey. And you know what I mean? So you're right. It's not hard to find.
1: Yeah. And, like, sourdough itself is already a a long process. We don't need to add to it by making our own starter. (laughs) Right. I agree with that. Yeah, I don't 100%. got time for that. And I feel like there's something else you could potentially mess up. So <laughs> yeah, but it's good to know that if you for some reason, kind of screwed up with whatever starter that you had that you have the option of making your own starter. A 100%.
2: Yeah. Definitely. All right.
1: The next question is how do I make my sourdough bread more sour? What is the process for that?
2: So there's two things that come to mind for me with this question. And one of them we kind of already covered. And it is um, if you do that second proof um, during your bake process in the fridge, it actually slows down the rise, but it gives the sourdough itself time to become more strong or like that culture time to become more strong. So um, I have heard that that can lead to a more sour sourdough if you... um, if you do that second rise in the fridge, the other thing that comes to mind is when you are feeding your sourdough starter. So we talked about some of the things that would make, you know, that are indicators that you need to feed your starter, um, the smell, the consistency of it. Another thing is that there sometimes it's like a natural um, byproduct of fermentation there's a liquid on top of your starter and it's called hooch um, and you could either pour that hooch off and then feed your starter or you can mix that hooch in and then feed your starter and I've heard that mixing that hooch into your discard before you feed it and make you know and reactivate your starter um, stronger sour
0: flavors
1: Mm, that's good to know. I like how you covered it's either with your starter or with actually proofing your bread that you can do it. Um, yeah,
2: maybe yeah. you can mix them together and get, like, extra, extra strong.
1: Um, yeah, that's so that's so interesting because you saying that makes me think about when I made focaccia a couple of days ago, it came out super sour, and it was like uh-huh. – Really good. And I was like, what did I do different? And it was because I forgot it when I was proofing. Um, so I think it proofed longer than normal. <laughs>
0: Just yeah, yeah, that do it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you even if you think about it, like right whenever you mix your starter together, or, like feed your starter, it smells really floury. And then like a couple hours in, it starts to like regain that sourdough smell. I feel like it's the same for baking. It's like if you bake a loaf that hasn't been fermenting as long, it's gonna be more like flour heavy. And if you wait a little bit longer, it's going to take on more of that sour taste and smell.
1: Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's one of my favorite parts of sourdough is the sour flavor.
2: It's like the irreplaceable part for sure. Like a quick yeast can't and won't do that.
1: So yeah. But then on the other hand, like, like if that like turns you off, you like when I made the um, the cinnamon rolls, I was expecting the sour flavor And like it wasn't it wasn't as pungent, I guess, as a regular sourdough. So you can still make things with sourdough without it being like sour.
2: Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. All
1: right, let's see the next question we kind of covered this but I'll I'll say any I'll just read it anyways because I know sourdough is a culture of bacteria and that kind of grosses me out any thoughts on this how do I know if it's good bacteria
2: so again like I feel like the two indicators are going to be smell and how it looks if there's some kind of color on your starter that is not flower color probably not a good sign if there's black if there's green if there's like a white like a really white you know like a mold white i would say toss it the other thing is smell like it should never smell foul like it could smell strong it could smell yeah. you know you know pungent but it should never smell bad i would say those are the two indicators but again like i'm not somebody who is like i'm not a germaphobe i'm also not like very very precise like I don't know. Like, I feel like if, it, it, I feel like, like I've made kombucha before and my kombucha SCOBY got mold on it, but I've never had a situation like that with my sourdough, like ever. Like, and, and I feel like I haven't had to try that hard to not grow a bad bacteria. Yeah. I suppose is what I'm trying to say. Um, I think you'll know if it's a bad bacteria and I think that you won't have to worry about it unless you see something that's just like not sitting right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, it, it should smell Um, like I, when I smell it and if it's hasn't been fed in a while or whatever, it'll smell a lot like alcohol. And yeah. Well, cold yes. Cold. Oh my
2: gosh. I really needed to feed mine. Like two days ago, I opened the jar and smelled it and like, I smelled it too fast after opening the jar and it literally like my eyes started watering. I was like, oh my <laughs> gosh, that was the strongest. Like it literally puffed out at me and I was like, whoa.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It. <laughs> It can get it can get really strong but yeah it should never smell bad and another thing is because you know it takes on the bacteria of its environment and you if you keep it in the fridge like just be careful what you keep it next to because if you keep it next to something that's moldy it'll probably get moldy too so
2: mm, that's a good thought that I hadn't considered yeah definitely
1: yeah I, I heard that in a podcast where like the only time someone ever had their starter go bad is they had an apple next to it that started growing mold and then their starter did too and then they had to throw their starter out so just be careful what you're putting it next to
2: also note on that though anytime you put your starter in the fridge or store it make sure it's like has an airtight not not I know you probably know this but or do this but like I feel like if I had a moldy apple next to mine like I would hope it would be okay because it has like a lid on it and stuff you
1: know yeah you know. i like this silicone lid that like yeah i looks, know those those are cool yeah like expand like with the air and i'll just you know like release the air if i need to Maybe,
0: like, it. yep that's cool that's a smart idea
1: <laughs> yeah it's it's pretty convenient i use it for like everything like if i um you know you only eat half of your watermelon you get the big ones and you put it over your water. yes watermelon. yes so yes that definitely, um, yeah, it makes it a little easier instead of like, you know, screwing on the can and stuff. But yeah, you don't want to just leave it out in the open where things can can get in. You want it to be covered somehow. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, this other question, just basically asking about, like, how do you implement like the toppings like cheese and herbs? Like, a what step of the process should you add it in there?
2: Um, okay. So the, I've never done like a jalapeno cheese or anything like that. Um, I've actually never even done herbs, but a friend of mine did olives recently and I'm pretty sure she added them in at the very beginning. And her tip was, um, add way more than you think. Like you want to have like a pretty like dense, like whether it's rosemary or olives or whatever you want it to be pretty dense, that, that topping. Um, so add a lot of it. Um, and then the only like thing that I can personally speak on with that is my granola bread, which I add nuts and like dried fruit into. And I do, I mix it all together at the very beginning. So I'll mix my dough. And then when I go in to add the salt 30 minutes Mm -hmm. after my dough is mixed, I also add the nuts and the fruit then. Um, but if it's just a topping, um, then i would say once you score add the topping and then pop it in the oven
1: yeah yeah i mean i cuz i use like rosemary and herbs a lot and uh-huh. there's been times where i forget and it'll be like kind of like i'm already doing the stretch and folds and i'm like all right let's let's add the herbs in there yeah but it's definitely when you add it like toward the beginning i like what you said like when you do the salt and stuff um after that the first like 30 minutes uh yeah because like you said you have to have, add a lot more because there will be times I'll add rosemary and it's still not strong enough
0: right gotta, yeah.
1: gotta keep adding it in uh-huh, uh-huh. And, I, and I've also noticed fresh herbs I don't know just makes it taste a little stronger too instead of the dry yeah,
2: that makes sense for sure yeah I feel like the earlier you can add whatever flavor you're using in the better the more it's going to kind of infiltrate all of that bread
1: yeah and that's the fun part about sourdough you can you can try new things like I know like with your your scone recipe I was doing I like kind of learned with the putting in frozen fruit remember I showed you that it just you know it's eventually gonna melt so it did come out a little wetter um Mm -hmm. it didn't really affect it once it baked but Uh it was just made it messier when you were trying to you know pull the the pieces apart and stuff yeah Um,
2: yeah that part is like difficult sometimes if your dough is like a little too wet that part's hard
1: yeah yeah I know it's like you have to find this the times when you make your hands wet with water and it makes it easier but then there's other times where if you make them drier with flour then it's easier and it's just a
2: hundred percent yeah
1: yeah
2: that's the type of thing that just comes with doing it I feel like
1: All right. Last question that we're going to do, because the other ones we've we've basically gone over, but we haven't talked too much about this, is best tools for sourdough baking, specifically bench scrapers and storage (laughs) jars. So I'm going to add to that, I guess. What tools do we actually need and what tools do we not need?
2: Yeah. So I was actually thinking about this this morning. I would say what tools you for sure need, can't do without are um a large bowl you're gonna have to have somewhere to mix your bread and then also a kitchen scale that measures in grams it's not necessarily like equal parts water and flour it's equal weights water and flour so doing like a cup to a cup isn't going to be the same as doing 100 grams to 100 grams so i would say that those are the two things that are like must-haves the rest you can You know, instead of a proofing basket, you can use a colander with a kitchen um, towel in it instead of a, a lawn for um, scoring you can use a knife. Is it going to work quite as well? Like maybe not, but I would say if you're just getting started and you don't know how much you need to really put into this, you for sure need a kitchen scale and you for sure need a large bowl. Um, Amazon has some really good, just like kits with like everything you need. They're like kind of like cheaper versions, but, um, it totally works. Like it worked for me for years and years and years and years. I just recently got some more like high quality stuff and it really hasn't made that much of a difference in the type of bread I'm able to make. It's just like, you know, more aesthetic. Um, and So I would say a large bowl and a scale are what you have to have. Um, But then besides that, oh, no, you also need a Dutch oven. I forgot. Like, you kind of can't bake without a lidded pot, like an Mm oven-safe lidded pot. So I guess that's a third thing that you kind of, like, really need. And then the rest, like the proofing baskets and the lawn and and the bench scraper and things like that, those help. Um, As far as bench scrapers go, I have one that's like metal and wood because I thought it was cuter. And I go grab my cheap plastic one, like nine times out of 10. Like the plastic ones, I would say like, they don't look as good, but they work better. They kind of like scrape against your countertop better, especially if you're working on an uneven surface, it works better. They're easier to clean. So I would say, honestly, go plastic on that. Um, If you're if you don't care about how it looks. Um, and then also for the jars for storing, I use Weck jars, which if you don't know what a Weck jar is, it's basically a glass jar with a glass lid and then it has this like rubber um, like spacer and then two clips to clip the jar the lid to the jar. I like them because they look pretty. Um, I have a one, is it called a leader? I literally always want to call it like, a litter. It's a so litter. It's definitely a litter. Okay. It's, I remember once in science class growing up, I like called it the wrong thing. And my teacher like didn't correct me, but looked at me like I was like literally insane. She probably just didn't know what I was talking about. But ever since then, I'm like self-conscious about it. Okay. <laughs> I have a one liter weck jar, like a tulip shaped wet jar. That's what I use. Um, but I wouldn't say there's any like right or wrong um, when it comes to your jar, as long as it's airtight. But the good thing about the weck jars is that you can put the glass lid on without the rubber spacer in the clips while it's feeding. So it kind of has room to yeah. escape. And then whenever you want it to be airtight, just add in that spacer and the clips. Um, but any jar works, I would say go for glass. Um, but any jar works.
1: Yeah. hundred percent go for glass. Uh, I'm just against plastic altogether. I know.
2: So. I mean, that's what I was thinking about the plastic bench scraper. Cause I too am against plastic, but if I'm being honest, that's my preferred yeah. one. I don't know what it is. And honestly, I'm like, okay, as long as it's not coming into contact with heat, I think it's okay. Yeah. But yeah, I'm, I feel you on the plastic, but I always am like, Oh, I wish the cute one worked as good as the plastic one
1: does. I know. I have, I have two bench scrapers as well. One, my husband, um, got from from the kitchen at work and you know it's Mm -hmm. it's been used and has a plastic handle but then it's like metal and Mm -hmm. it is just you know it is industrial so that's the one Mm -hmm. I like it's not pretty at all I have my pretty one but I don't even use that one I like I don't like the industrial one one yeah yeah, but yeah. like, I, I agree. There's so many tools that like, you don't really need because I yeah. had kitchen towels and I even used like Tupperware bowls for my proofing baskets. And yeah. it wasn't even- I do
2: anything yeah. that's around, honestly, for proofing baskets. Like there have been times where, especially if I'm making like more loaves than I have baskets for, I get so creative. Like I'm putting them in the weirdest spots. Really like what you want is just something that's like semi-breathable if possible. <laughs> Um, so that's like I would rip the colander over just yeah. like a bowl. But if all you have is a bowl with a towel in it, it's going to.
1: Yeah. And I think another thing that is kind of necessary uh, is like parchment paper.
2: Yes, because like we were talking about that transfer from the yeah. proofing basket to the oven can be virtually impossible without parchment paper, if you ask me. Like parchment paper saved me when it comes to that step. So totally agree. And it makes it so much easier to get your bread out of the Dutch oven without burning mm. yourself, etc.
1: Yeah. And I, I reuse the crap out of my parchment oh, me too. paper.
2: I actually prefer it once it's been baked at least once. Cause it's like a really nice, like crinkly, do you know yeah. what I mean? How
1: it like, crinkles better yeah, like, in, I love in it. the shape? Yeah. 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 I've, I've tried cause I've, I have one Dutch oven and I was making up bunch of bread um to you know trade for eggs and stuff and yeah. i was like okay let's try to do a makeshift one and i did like a cast iron and then i had like a metal lid kind of thing and like it wor- it worked just not as good as the yeah. dutch oven so like you could still do it if you don't have a dutch oven with like cast iron and some type of metal lid or even like making it with foil Mm -hmm. um, for the lid. But I mean, yeah,
2: because the point of the Dutch oven is to keep steaming. So the first part of the bake is like a more steamy bake. And then the second part is a more like crusty crust. And so I do know that like when people make baguettes and make types of bread that won't fit in a Dutch oven, they'll add like a pan of water into the bottom of their oven, which I don't know how that would work with like a boule type loaf of sourdough. Um, But that might be something to consider. Like I know there are ways around it, but it's just so much easier to just pop the Dutch oven in with the lid and then take it off. Um, So yeah, I do feel like that's like pretty necessary, but you're right, there are workarounds.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely makes it a lot easier. And I wanna try to make sourdough with a KitchenAid Only because I made um, sourdough focaccia with the KitchenAid. And the recipe I followed, it was either use the KitchenAid or hand mix it and do all the stretch and folds. And I didn't Uh have to do any stretch and folds when I used the KitchenAid. And it was so nice because I just put everything into the bowl, put the KitchenAid on. 24 hours later, popped it in the oven after it had like a day proof and definitely a lot less work so i wonder if there's a sourdough recipe where you can just use your KitchenAid. aid um,
0: yeah
2: i actually don't have one and my mom the other day was like hey do you want one i feel like you would really like one like i'll buy you one if you want one and i was like i just don't know what i'd use it for and she was like claire you would literally use it for everything if you had it like it's one of those things that like you don't know you need it till you have it and i was 100%. like really
0: yeah you, yeah you don't, you don't, don't really have, have it.
2: i want one I want one especially because I want a dairy cow someday so I really want one when Ooh. I have a dairy cow because I want to you know make butter and whatnot but that's what I told my mom and she was like you'll use it for so many more things than that if you just do it just get one and I was like huh.
1: Yeah like your homemade cream cheese frosting for the the cinnamon rolls like yeah. it would be so much easier in a Aid to get all the clumps yeah. and lumps out because I'm like sitting there.
2: I know and my I feel like my hand feeders like don't go high at all like I'm always appalled at how low this the highest speed on those is I'm like what's going on
1: and then they're just fast so it just all the the powdered sugar just flies out so you have to like start slow and make sure everything's in there all right, I'm probably gonna have to cut this up into two episodes, and I bet we could still keep talking about sourdough and we go over about sourdough for
2: another two hours. I bet, truly, like
1: you know, like there's still things in my head that like I haven't covered, and I just want to say I haven't been making sourdough that long. It's been a handful of months now, and I've already learned so much. So much. So, I you know, feel like, like
2: you made like a lot more diverse recipes than I have. Like, I feel like you have more knowledge... I, I may have been doing it longer, but I feel like you have more knowledge on different types of recipes. And I feel like that's really invaluable. I feel like that's really cool. Like, you have gone so hard in the last... What was it, like, February that you started?
1: Uh, I feel like even after that. Like, I feel like not it was even that long February,
2: ago. I feel like it was around when I released my videos on YouTube about it, which I think was February.
1: Okay, yeah, because I remember following you and then a couple days later you posted the video and it it was like that day I was like we're doing it (laughs) I (laughs) love it
2: yeah we could probably go on and on but um (laughs) we should we should spare the people who are the best as we are
1: (laughs) I know either people are gonna listen to this and be like all right I feel more confident about it or they're gonna be like now I'm even more overwhelmed
2: Literally, they're, like, um, they're insane. I think sourdough baking makes you insane and it sounds ho- – no, it really – like, I know that – it. here's the thing about it. It's nuanced. It's complicated because it's nuanced, but it has to be that way to be what it is. Like, to be – as delicious as it is and to be as like rewarding as it is. So definitely don't get into it thinking that it's going to be like a walk in the park. And also don't get into it thinking that your first loaf is going to be your best loaf because I can assure you that it won't, but it might be really, really good and you might fall in love with the process and there's nothing about it that you can't figure out. I think that we've touched on this in our last episode, but this is something that I, I tell people a lot. Like bread baking is in your blood your ancestor did it for so many years before you, they did it because they had to survive. Right. Like it, like they might've been really good at it and they might've loved it, but like, it's like a survival skill, bread baking. I mean, back in like biblical times, they, when they didn't have anything else to eat or drink, it was beer and bread um, because they didn't even have water. Like that's how (laughs) crazy bread has been for the survival of the human race. So If you start getting really down on yourself or start getting like freaked out about it, just remember it's in your blood. The worst thing that can happen is you mess up one of your loaves and you learn from it. Um, And it's totally worth the time it takes, the commitment it takes and the messing up and starting over.
1: Yeah. I mean, like you said, your first loaf won't be your best. But you know what? My first loaf also wasn't my worst. So.
2: Yeah, actually, same. Why is that?
1: (laughs) I feel like you just get so confident and comfortable. And then, you know, you forget to bring your oven down from 500 degrees to 425.
2: (laughs) I feel like I still mess like something up like every other time I bake. Like, I just I I think part of it, too, is that you get so confident that you're not being as like vigilant. And you're like, oh, no, it's a rock. now.
1: (laughs) I know. But it's like, it's so cool seeing like what you actually need and what you don't and like, Everyone kind of has a slightly different way of making sourdough. Like there's so many different variations of like sourdough and they all still come out pretty great. So yeah. it's kind of cool. You can kind of get to see like what works best for you. So I just encourage anyone who wants to make sourdough like freaking do it because it is so rewarding and so fun and you will you'll will, you'll pick it up. It's Definitely not as intimidating or scary as people make it out to be. I think as long as you have your starter in the fridge. (laughs) Yes.
2: Yes. Yeah. Always have your backup ready to go and then dive in.
1: Yes. All right. So where can people find you and your YouTube and stuff?
2: Yeah, um, my Instagram is at Claire Fagan. That's just my name. Um, and in my bio, you can find a link to my YouTube, you can find a link to my sourdough recipes, to my sourdough starter that's available for purchase, et cetera. But I definitely have some fun videos on sourdough on my YouTube channel. So if you're interested, we dive like even deeper than we did today. I I would say like uh, even though we dove pretty deep um into like what the culture is and all of that good stuff. So check it out if you're interested.
1: Yeah, definitely. You ha- you have a bunch of good videos of how to do the like the recipes and then also like how to properly clean and then just just all the stuff. Like I said, I learned all of it from you. So, it has well, everything it, that you need to know.
2: It makes my day that you that you did that I inspired that and then you've inspired me since picking it up on just like being more versatile with like what you're baking and Um, also doing it consistently and like I was saying like doing it for survival like your family eats the bread you make every single day every single week right and I feel like that's a really cool thing that you're doing like that I feel like that is not just baking bread for your family it's like bigger than that do you know what I
1: mean like it's it really is it really is
2: it really is and that's the magic of bread
1: (laughs) I know like I said it freaking changed my life like making sourdough bread like it cured my freaking postpartum depression you guys because it's just so much more than just like oh you're making bread like there's literally heart and soul into it and like you connect more with yourself like by getting down and dirty with you know making things from scratch so I just recommend it for everyone
2: yeah well thanks so much for having me on
1: yeah thanks for coming on and you know thanks for being my favorite guest
2: I, uh, thank you. It's fun to be on here. I love it. Whenever you reached out again, I was like, heck yes.
1: And I was like, I hope she doesn't think like, oh, here we go again. Like
2: No, I was so excited. <laughs> I was like, how soon can I sign up? <laughs> yeah.
1: Awesome. I'll put all of your links in the show notes so people can reach out and find you and, you know, follow you on Instagram and check out your YouTube videos
0: because I
1: highly recommend them. If I can figure out how to make sourdough, anyone can.
0: <laughs> Thank you all for joining me in another episode of the Bread Therapy Mama podcast. If you like this kind of content, check out my blog for recipes, how-tos, product recommendations, and more. Just go to breadtherapymama.com. I'll see you all in the next episode.